Praise be to God. We are grateful that we can come before the presence of God Almighty and once again listen to what He has to say to us. And today we have for our theme the goal of seeking the lost. The goal of seeking the lost. And uh, for some people, it's not something that's quite exciting for them. And uh, when that begins to happen, we need to understand once upon a time, we were lost. Once upon a time, we were out there. But because there was someone who was concerned about our salvation, they prayed for us, they interceded for us, and somebody made sure that the gospel was given to us. You understand what I'm saying? I remember when uh, I was running away from the Lord, okay? Uh, I was in, I, I was, uh, I, I was, uh, going about my way, doing what I thought was right. I believe in certain philosophies. I believe in certain new age teachings and things like that. But then one day I got confused and uh, I said, Lord, uh, I thought this was a way towards you, but it's not, it's getting confusing. And I need, I need some real answers from you. And I don't know, one Sunday morning I was, well, I was in Makati. What I was doing there Sunday morning, I don't really remember now. But I remember passing through one disco. It's, it was a popular disco at that particular time. And there was music coming from that disco. And I was thinking, that's kind of a different kind of music. I know the kind of music that goes on inside discos. And so I went in and uh, I was going to say, well, you know, normally when you enter, you, you need to pay. But when I said, can I just listen here? So you can go in. It's free. Free? Okay. So I went in. And it just so happened that there was a charismatic meeting that was taking place inside the disco. And uh, music that I was hearing was praise and worship music. And uh, I remember sitting by the balcony, okay, and uh, listening to the service. And the pastor said, after, if, if after the service you have a concern and you would like for us to pray for you, uh, just stay and we will pray for you. So after the service, I lined up. I made sure I was going to be prayed for by the pastor. And when I approached the pastor, he asked my name. So I said, my name is Mikhail Karas. And then he looked at me and he said, is your mother's name Nene Alcaraz? So I was, I was surprised. This was my first time. This was my first time to be in that particular fellowship this was the first time I've seen this pastor. And this guy is a Protestant pastor. You understand what I'm saying? My mom, true blue Roman Catholic, would never talk to someone like him. That's why I was so surprised when he asked, is your mom's name this? I said, yes. How come you know my mom? She, and, and he said, well, I met your mom about a year ago. And we got to talking about the things of God, and she said, can you pray for my son? That's the black sheep of the family. Can you pray for my son? He's straying away from the faith. He was getting into, you know, you know, as far as they were concerned, I was getting into weird things. Transcendental meditation, Kundalini Yoga, New Age Movement, Psyche, and things like that. But, God 
in his mercy and in his grace, had someone pray for me. And the, and the pastor says, we have been praying for you by name for one year. And now you're here, okay? Uh, tell your mom that you came here. And so, praise be to God. That started everything for me. That I mean, that was one of the starts that helped me get into the path of God. You understand what I'm saying? There were people who were concerned about people who were not walking the path of God. All right? And because of that, they were praying for people like me at that time. I was once lost, but now in Him, by His mercy and His grace, we are found. You understand what I'm saying? Normally, when we get into the kingdom of God, we want to really find out many of the blessings and the privileges that God has given us. We want to learn about faith, how that we can grow in faith. Because we know faith can move mountains. We know that by faith, we can receive answers to our prayers. We know that by faith, we can claim the blessings and the benefits of the kingdom of God. We, we want to learn about the authority of the believer. How that because of the authority that God has given us, Satan and his demons cannot bully us or oppress us anymore. We want to learn about the healing of God. Because we find out that sickness and disease, even though it's present in the world, does not mean we can become victims of this, but rather we can receive healing from God. Amen? We want to find out about the abundance of God. We want to find out about the prosperity of God. Because we believe Jesus Christ uh, showed us that there is abundance in the, blessed, in, the, in the presence of God Almighty. In feeding the multitude, okay, he started out with little, but he ended up with so much. There was a surplus because the kingdom of heaven moved inside that particularly. And we want that, right? Because we need those things and, and God is saying that those things are part of our inheritance and heritage. We are grateful for the promise of heaven one day. Amen? We are grateful that one day we will be walking in streets of gold. One day we will be walking and we will be what? How, how young do you want to look like for eternity? Do you want to look like you're 25 forever? Or 30 or 33? Some people say, well, you know, I think I'm more dignified when I look like 40. Well, yeah, you can have that in heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? I mean, one day we will walk, we'll be walking in a place where there is no death, there is no pain, there is no disappointment, there are no demons, okay? No loneliness, no frustrations, okay? No hurts. One day we'll be walking in eternal joy, happiness, and pleasure with our Lord forever. You understand what I'm saying? But God never said, while you're on the earth, you just have to make do with what you have. No. Because he said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what's going to happen? All these things will be added unto you. So somehow, heaven still moves into our lives. And we want to enjoy that. We want to find out what our rights and our privileges are because we are members of the family of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? 
We have rights, we have privileges, we have blessings, we have benefits. We want to learn about them. Those are the things that excite us. But as we begin to move in the blessings of God, let us not forget that there are also others who need to know what we know. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who need to experience what we have experienced. We have experienced the mercy, the grace of God. There are people out there who need that also. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's not be so concerned with the blessings that God has given us that we forget about people who need this. Once upon a time, we were lost by the grace of God. Now, we are found. There are other people out there who are also lost. And we need to be able to be concerned with them. Amen? I mean, think, think about it. how many of you are enjoying the joy of the Lord. Okay? Why not sow back some of that joy into heaven? I mean, this is what a very unique scripture that we just read in the gospel. Take note, it says, when someone is restored into the kingdom of God, there is now more joy in heaven. I can't think of adding joy in heaven because I think heaven is the ultimate when it comes to joy. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it says here that when we get involved in bringing people back to God, there is rejoicing in heaven. I mean, God has made us rejoice here on the earth, right? I mean, think about it. We have a chance to tickle God's heart. We have a chance to make God rejoice. I mean, I never see God sad. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it says that when we help in bringing others back into the kingdom, there is joy in heaven. There is joy in the angel, with the angels of God. We make them rejoice. God has made us rejoice. It's about time. We add rejoicing in heaven to heaven also. You understand what I'm saying? Well, praise God, I haven't gone to a while. Our lesson for today is <laughs> I get so excited with the topic of God, all right? Basically, this is the thought uh, uh, I'd like to give to you. It's this As we have received His grace and mercy, so let us minister his grace and mercy to others. Simple. As we have received his grace and mercy, so let us minister his grace and mercy to others. I mean, if you, are, if you understand that God has been gracious to you, you cannot help but become gracious to others also. When you understand that it is only by God's mercy and grace you are still alive today, you cannot help but be merciful and gracious to others also. Amen? So praise be to God. I mean, all the readings today point out to the mercy of God. Let, let me just read, okay? Let, let me just give you uh, the principles we're going to talk about from uh, verse 1 to 3, all right? This is the first principle. Be thankful for the mercy of God. Simple. Be thankful for the mercy of God. We'll come back to that. And then from verse 4 to 10, okay, 
All heaven rejoices whenever someone comes back to him. All heaven rejoices whenever someone comes back to him. Okay, let's go back to the first thought. Verse 1 to 3, be thankful for God's mercy. Let me just start reading here. It says here, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. Okay, I think what's the, what's the situation here? Here was Jesus Christ having table fellowship or dinner with what the Pharisees described as sinners. I mean, these are tax collectors. These are people who are collecting taxes for Rome. Okay, these are fellow Jews. And they're collecting taxes from their fellow Jews. And if they're, let's say the tax that Rome is supposed to get is 100, then they add something so that they would have their own money. And sometimes they add more than what is required. And that's the reason why many people look at them as traitors. Okay, some of the people here also do not fulfill the law. Uh, and so in the eyes of the religious leaders of that day, they were unrighteous, they were unworthy of God, they were sinners, they were on the outside, okay? Now here comes Jesus having table fellowship with them, inviting them for coffee, inviting them for dinner, inviting them and talking to them, okay? The Pharisees were so shocked and saying, if this guy's a prophet, why is he having a table fellowship with them? All right? See, we need to understand here that God is never intimidated with our weaknesses, with our trespasses, with our sins. You understand what I'm saying? There's no reason for us to hide from God whatever it is that we've done. You understand what I'm saying? Hello? I mean, I mean, uh, how many of us can ever say we've never sinned? How many of us can ever say we've never made a mistake? How many of us can ever say that we've never violated or we've never trespassed uh, God's commandments? None of us can do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? And yet, despite that, how many of you understand that sometimes in the middle of your violation against God, your conscience bothers you, right? Or sometimes in the middle of the night, you can't sleep because the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, telling you, you don't have to continue that, okay? God has already forgiven you. Get forgiveness from Him. Give that up. Don't do that anymore, okay? Take note. God comes to us even in the middle of our sin. And he attracts us back to him. God never says, stay away from me, you dirty sinner. Okay? Jesus never said to them, guys, get away from me. You're not worthy to be in my presence. That was never the attitude of Jesus. He brought the love and the forgiveness of God. He brought them to them because he knows he needed them. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus Christ did not come down to remind us how dirty we are. Okay? Jesus Christ did not come down to rub in our faces how much of sinners we are. No. Jesus Christ came down to bring a solution that we could not do. 
He came to pay the price that we could not pay. If I could die for my sins, I would have done so, but being a son, I couldn't do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not worthy enough to die for my own sins. Amen? Only Jesus was the one, and he came down. He came down, and he, he went to the people. He showed them the holiness of God. He showed them the righteousness of God. But he also showed them that God is loving. He showed them that God is merciful. He showed them that God is gracious. That even if you miss it, even if you've sinned, even if you've gone away, even if you've strayed so far away, God still comes after you. And is willing to sit down with you. And is willing to stay with you. And we shouldn't push him back. We shouldn't run away from him. We shouldn't uh, resist him. But rather, we should be able to give ourselves to him. God, you really want me. You want me as I am. You've got me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean, I understand how that feels. Remember, when Jesus Christ came to St. Peter, I mean, they, they, they tried to catch some fish overnight. Couldn't catch anything. And the Lord comes to him and says, can I borrow your boat for a while? So he loans his boat. He preaches from the boat. He finishes his ministry, goes back to Peter and says, you know, you can launch out in the deep and you'll catch fish. And Peter was probably trying to be nice. He was trying to be, think, he was thinking probably, this guy's a carpenter, I'm a fisherman, and he's giving me fishing tips. How am I supposed to tell him that I've done it overnight? Okay, and you know, that's the best time for fishing. I should know, I'm a fisherman, he's a carpenter. Now he's telling me in the middle of the day, I should go there. I just know that there was no, there's no fish there. I just came from there, okay? He says, Lord, we have fished all night. We didn't catch anything, but he is probably looking at Jesus and his eyes and there was something compelling about it. And instead of launching into his arguments, and he says, you know what? Just because you said so, I'll do it. On your word, I'll do it. You know, he's thinking, why well, I'm doing this? I know I'm not going to catch anything, but he said for me to go there. And I know better. I've had experience of this. My, my father's a fisherman. My granddaddy's a fisherman. I'm a fisherman. I know there's not going to be anything there, but there's something about this man. Just because he said it, and it doesn't make sense to me just because he said it. On your word, Lord, I'll do it. And so he goes out. Throws, go through the actions, not really expecting anything. But then finds out he can't bring his net up because there was too much fish and his net was about to break. He had to call James. He had to call John to help him. And now he realizes something's different about Jesus. There's the touch of God, the presence of God. And St. Peter says, Depart from me, O Lord, I am a sinful man. This is normally the reaction of people. I'm not worthy to be in your presence, Lord, I'm burn up. Okay, have you ever heard people say, I'm afraid to go to church because I might melt. Well, God is holy, yes he is, but God is also merciful, God is, 
God is also gracious, God is good, and God is loving. And God is very approachable. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we forget that. I was listening to the testimony of a yoga master last night. Okay? And she was saying that how that once upon a time she wanted to serve God. And she was brought up Roman Catholic and for a while she became a nun, but she was not finding any satisfaction in what she was doing. And so she came to a uh, an evangelical church and she heard about the salvation message of Jesus and how that she turned her life to the Lord and she received forgiveness of sins, you know. But you know what? Growing in the grace of God is not an overnight thing, right? And so they found out that she was someone who smoked. <laughs> and so uh, the leadership of that church said, because you smoke, you're no longer welcome in this church. You can send your children here, but you're not welcome here anymore. And the children said, well, you know what? If our mom is not welcome here, we're not coming. Too bad. I could just imagine the grief that God felt because the church would have said, okay, come in, all right? We don't kind of approve with your smoking, but come in and get to know the Lord and let him be the one to fix you up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? The Lord never says for us to be perfect before we can come to him. The Lord never said to us, clean up your act. Then you come to me. No. He says, come to me just as you are. And let me fix you. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, this is the mercy of God. Uh, what is it that we deserve from God because we're sinners? Damnation? Hell? That's what we deserve. But we don't get it. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us another chance. Even when others are not willing to give us another chance, God gives us another chance. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean, uh, let, let, me, let me just read uh, what St. Paul said in our second reading today. All right? Uh, it says in our second reading this day, in 1 Timothy chapter 12, uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. You know what he was saying? I was insolent man, did not translate arrogant. He was feeling religiously superior. There was a time he felt that the, 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 the Christians were the ones defiling the Jewish faith and he felt it was his assignment to get rid of the church. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? He was instrumental in the death of Saint Stephen. Okay? He was an enemy of the church. Alright? 
But then one day on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus. He fell down from his horse and and the Lord said, you, you, you can't, hey Saul, you can't go on living like this. You can't be coming against me. You're going to hurt yourself. Okay, you're kicking against goats, or in other words, you're, you're kicking against uh, pointed objects. You're going to injure yourself. And Saul said, uh, who are you, Lord? And Jesus Christ said to him, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now you go to this particular house, I'll send someone over to you, to deal with you. God speaks to a certain person named Ananias. And God says, you go to this place, this, this is the address, this is the street. Yeah, that's some kind of word of knowledge. <laughs> I mean, he was getting details from the Lord. I mean, this was before the age of smartphones. Alright? And Ananias says, well, Lord, uh, just in case you haven't heard, <laughs> this guy is wreaking havoc with the church. Do you know how many families he's torn apart? Pulled them away from the families, imprisoned them, confiscated their goods, and now he's coming here. I mean, we tried to get him, he's coming, and he's. You want me to minister to him? Better not give him the good news so that he would go to heaven. <laughs> Now, that's just my attitude, all right? I mean, I would understand that's how he felt, right? Lord said, you don't understand, Ananias. I have chosen this man to be my ambassador, to bring my gospel to the, to the Gentiles. I remember last Wednesday, we talked about that the plans of God were written before we were born. Amen. That was written in the life of St. Paul before he was born. But somehow he got distracted. But then he got reconnected to God through Jesus Christ. And now the plan of God comes to full fruition for him once again. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, he's saying, look guys, I was an enemy of the church. I blasphemed this Jesus. Okay, I persecuted this Jesus. You know how many uh, families I destroyed, put people in prison? You, you, you know about Stephen who died, how many people have died because of me? I've got blood on my hands. But the Lord was exceedingly merciful to me. He could have damned me. He could have sent me to hell. He'd have, he could have killed me on the spot. But he had mercy on me, gave me a chance to repent. And in me, the Lord's pattern is seen. You understand what I'm saying? He's saying, I was once an enemy of the church, but I recognized the mercy of God. And now, I'm a friend of God serving him. And this is what he's, God is telling us, how we should respond to the grace of God. I'm not saying that you forget whatever it is that you're doing. You can become the best entrepreneur. You can become the best salesman. You can become the best businessman, best lawyer, best architect. Become the best and give glory to God with what you're doing. But never forget about the God 
who gave you grace and mercy. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, let's go to the second part. All right, you're learning something from this. All heaven rejoices whenever someone comes back to him. All right, going back, verse four to verse seven, it says here, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which I have lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 uh, just persons who need no repentance. Now take note what he's saying here. He says he's got a hundred sheep. He loses one. Okay? Take note, the Lord does not have the attitude of a businessman. A businessman that says, okay, I've got 100, I've lost one. That's a 1% loss. That's acceptable. That's okay. I don't mind losing one. I still have 99. I'm still in profit. You understand what I'm saying? He's not just, you know, we know that the Lord is a warrior, but he doesn't have uh, a military uh, uh, attitude over this because a military general would say, 100 and then we one dies? Those are acceptable casualties. The Lord said, I need to go and find this. It says there that he leaves them in the wilderness to go find this lost sheep. And I've read someone say, criticize the story and says, why would he leave 99 sheep in the wilderness? Isn't the wilderness a dangerous place? Why did he leave 99 just to go after 100? That's really not the point. The point of the story is that the Lord cares so much for the one, just as he cared for the 99. There was such an urgency within him that he immediately went and looked for the one that was lost. You understand what I'm saying? This reflects the heart of God, our Father. Okay? He loves each and every one of us completely, totally, absolutely. That he's not content that one would be lost. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen? He's not saying, God, 99, that's fine. That one was lost too bad. She didn't follow. No, he goes and looks for this one. And then he finds this one that was lost. And then he says, uh, he calls up his friends. All right? He, he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors. I wonder how he called them up. They didn't have phones in that time. No, Facebook status. Come, party. <laughs> no Twitter, no Instagram. But somehow he finds a way, he goes out of his way to go to the house of his friends. Come, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a celebration. Well, what's, what's he been? Who, who's, who's his birthday? Well, I lost one sheep. I found one. Found him again. Found him again. All right? And uh, it says here, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Every time someone is lost and comes back, they know this was a sheep, member of the fold. Somehow he got distracted. Okay? Gets lost. Stops following the shepherd. 
Shepherd never says, dumb sheep. Good for him. Now, never says that. Shepherd goes back to the sheep, looks for the sheep. I'm just so glad the sheep was willing to be taken back. And it says here, there is joy, more joy, there is rejoicing in heaven. Every time we get involved in bringing somebody back to the Lord, we are adding joy to heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? Okay. Let's look at verse 8 to 10. Or one woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. Ten coins, loses one, that's a 10% loss. All right? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is Joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I think of it says one is a 1% loss, the other is a 10% loss. And in the story, it doesn't say that the one who loses 1% says it's only 1%. And the one who loses the 10% says, well, 10% is a lot bigger, so I think I'm going to find it. No, whether he loses 1% or 10% for the Lord or heaven, that's too big of a loss. I need to go after the one who was lost. You have to understand something about those who are lost. They don't know they're lost. You understand what I'm saying? And that's the reason why heaven goes after them, to point to them. You need to come back. Why? Because you're running away from me. You're running away from me. You're lost. Now look at this, uh, we'll, we'll end here, look at this uh, first uh, reading that we have in Exodus, okay? In Exodus chapter, what is that? 32, beginning with verse 7. Okay, what, what, what happened here? Moses was on Mount Sinai uh, speaking with God, and apparently he has been there for like, 40 days, 40 nights, and the people were getting restless. What's happened to Moses? What's happened to our bishop? <laughs> I mean, he went there. No, no hi, no hello, no goodbye, no text, nothing. Okay, what's happened to our God? God must have abandoned us. And so let's make another God. And so they made, they, they, they gave up their gold earrings, and they melted it, and they came out with a golden calf. This is chapter 32. In chapter 20, they were given the commandments. They know what God says. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods but me. You understand what I'm saying? They were not doing this in ignorance. Okay? They know that what they were doing is wrong. The commandment was given to them. Okay? Hello? And so now, what happens? God knows what's going on. And in verse 7, the and the Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people. God is not saying my people. He's no longer saying my people. Moses, your people. Okay? Uh, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I have commanded them. They have made for themselves a molded calf 
and worshipped him and sacrificed to him and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Verse 9, And the Lord said to Moses, Listen carefully to what he said. I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked, they don't want to bow. Hard. For us, another term would be hard-headed. Okay? Now, therefore, they know what he's saying. Let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Think not what just happened here. The people were not going to be judged. They were already judged. You understand what I'm saying? God said to Moses, they've seen my miracles. They've seen the works that I've done. They've seen I've gotten them out of Egypt. I've given them my commandments. Despite that, they make an idol a golden calf in violation of commandment one. And they say to Israel, this is now your God. Moses, this is a rebellious people. They have sinned and they must reap the consequences of their sin. I have judged them, Moses. Stop praying for them. I am going to destroy them. I am going to consume them. They don't deserve to be here because they violated my commandments. Now don't worry Moses, I'll spare you and I will raise up a great people from you. Okay? They were not going to be judged, they were already judged. You understand what I'm saying? They were already judged. God says they're worthy of death. Their race wiped out. Okay? That's what God said to Moses. Thank God for Moses. Because Moses was not going to give up. Verse 11. Now Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? <laughs> they know. God says, Moses, they're your people. Moses says, well, no, they're not just my people. They're also your people. Okay? They know. He says, your people, of whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with a great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out just to harm them, to kill them? in the mountains to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm unto your people. In verse 30, I'm so glad we, we come to verse 13. This is the prayer that Moses prayed. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and their inheritance forever. Lord, I'm so glad he went to verse 13. I'm so glad he didn't stop at verse 12. He says, Lord, what are the Egyptians going to say? 
that you were not able to bring them to the promised land, so therefore you killed them. Okay? I mean, if he had stopped there, I could imagine the Lord saying, Moses, who cares what the Egyptians think about me? They're pagans. Okay? They, they don't worship me. They worship other gods. Why should I care about their opinion? If they want to think that of me, fine. I don't care. You, you understand what I'm saying? Okay? It's very logical. It appeals to the pride of God. Except that God has no pride like that, the way we have pride. You understand what I'm saying? God is God. Right? But this is the prayer that I believe changed everything. God, remember Abraham, Isaac, remember the promise you said to them. You said you would multiply their descendants. You never said anything about destroying their descendants. You made that promise to Abraham. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, Moses was an intercessor. He was a mediator between God and the people. Okay? And you know what? In the New Testament, we've got a mediator. Jesus Christ comes before the Father and says, Father, if they come to you and they repent, forgive them, Father. See, these are the scars on my hands. Okay? Right now, we have an altar, a copy of what's in the heaven. But in heaven, there's the real altar that is there. The real Ark of the Covenant is there. And you know what is in the Ark of the Covenant? The blood of Jesus. It's not dry. Okay? It's not faded away. It's still as fresh as the day he shed it on Calvary. Father, look at the Ark of the Covenant. That's my blood. I shed it for them. I died for them. I shed my blood for them. So that when they come to you, Father, in their sin, when they come to you and they repent and they ask forgiveness, forgive them, Father. I died for them. My blood is on the altar for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? He wants, is, and will always be our high priest, our mediator, the one who stands in our behalf before the Father. And the Father will always say yes to Jesus. He will honor the blood that was shed for us. He will honor. That's why one day, when we go to heaven, when Jesus Christ finally comes, we will have perfect bodies. You understand what I'm saying? You will not have scars. You will not have wrinkles. You will not need glutathione. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? They will be perfect bodies. We will have bodies that is able to exist on earth or exist anywhere in space. We can have bodies that we can walk directly in the sun and the sun will not destroy us. Bodies that will never get sick. Bodies that will never grow old. Bodies that will never uh, uh, be corrupted. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? Perfect, unblemished, healthy bodies. But in eternity, there's always going to be just one person who will have scars in his body. Why? So that you and I can live a perfect life in heaven one day and experience the blessings of God here today. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the mercy of God. This is the grace of God. And 
We do not want to take this for granted, but we want to live in this grace. By doing what St. Paul said, I choose to serve him with my life now. And doing also what, what Moses did by praying for others so that one day they too will come to know the God that we have known. Enjoy the salvation that we have. Experience the blessings we're going through right now. We want to bring more rejoicing to heaven, just as heaven made us rejoice. Amen? How if you learned something today? Praise God, let's all stand before God and confess our faith.